Welcome to PharmEd podcast number six. Today we're focusing on positive health, well-being and resilience, which of course post-COVID incredibly pertinent and something that yeah, more and more all of us, particularly here at PharmEd, will be focusing on in the future. Um, I'm John T. John T. Brunier, the manager here at PharmEd, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be here with three of my heroes. We've got Russ Carrington, sustainable food and farming advocate, former general manager of the Pasture Fed Livestock Association and rural youth champion. Holly Beckett, farmer's daughter from a famous farming family, a Nuffield Farming Scholarship colleague of mine and now project director at Focused Farmers, focusing on mindfulness and psychology and neuroscience, particularly for rural workers and farmers. And Dr Sally Bell, GP, um, and now particularly with a, focusing on her passion for lifestyle medicine, which we'll hear about in a minute. Um, first question, just get the debate going, or the conversation going. Holly, tell me a little bit about your journey, your youth, your Nuffield scholarship, and how you got here today. Okay, where to start? So as you say, farmer's daughter, that was a good description, thank you, John T. And to grew up on the family farm, but we've heavily diversified now um, still farming about 1,200 acres variable, but we have a farm shop, a restaurant, cookery school, conference facilities, and 1,200 people that help us and the family do that. So leadership and people management was something that I was really, really keen to look at, which is where I um, took my Nuffield journey. Yeah. So what was really interested was actually practical things that you could do to for people development, increase your leadership skills. I'd done a lot of leadership training and it was all really motivational. And then you'd get back to the office and you think, yes, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. And it's yeah. all gonna be marvelous. And uh, then sort of a few weeks later, you were kind of in the back saying sort of, you know, general stresses and strains of daily life and doing the same thing. That's what I was really keen to look at. and. Uh, I looked at coaching, I looked at personality profiling, I looked at neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, as part of Nuffield, right? yeah. which is all about understanding the unconscious mind. So I guess started to understand why did I keep finding myself in that same place? And then I came across mindfulness and meditation and that was a real game changer for me. And I thought all farmers should learn a little <laughs> bit about it. And so that's what I've been doing for the last few years. Um, I was lucky enough at Frank Parkinson Agtrust, gave me a bit of money to start a pilot project. Yeah. And we've had some amazing results. Brilliant. Okay, we'll come back to this in a minute. Russ, tell me about your journey. How did you get here today? Not to farm ed, by the way, but yeah, career and personal wise. So I grew up on the, the family farm in Herefordshire. And I was always very interested in farming, but didn't really have an opportunity to work within the family business. So I went and explored another career. I trained as a civil engineer, yeah. studied five years at Cardiff University, living in a city, which was a real eye-opener to me, uh, somebody from the countryside. Um, but I, I never really lost that passion for agriculture. And after a few years of working as an engineer, I decided that there was actually loads of really key things that engineers were talking about, how they were planning for the future, preparing for sort of post-carbon economies and the sustainability of materials, the carbon footprints of buildings. And I thought to myself, why isn't farming having this same conversation, talking about this stuff mm. and planning for the future? Because farming has ha, does have an impact 
both positive and negative on the environment and on, on and carbon footprinting. So I really set about exploring how I could bring my engineering skills to agriculture and to follow my passion about creating change and a transition in agriculture to, to make, make it better and make food better. And so with a group of other farmers uh, back in 2010, we first came together and we decided to establish the Pasture Fed Livestock Association. I later took on the role to, to manage that and, and grow it to a 600 strong member organization. And we developed a, a brand called Pasture for Life for 100% pasture fed beef, lamb, and dairy products to really recognize and award um, sustainably produced ruminant livestock on beautiful pastures in Britain. And it's been an amazing journey. I've learned so much about how to help farmers transition, how to help them change, what gives them the confidence to be able to do that. And now I've stepped back from that role, but I'm really looking to take my learnings and experience to other countries and particularly around the world. So I'm now involved in a European focus group looking at sustainable beef production and trying to pull together a, a new network for organisations working with regenerative farming right around the world. I'm really excited to take some of our experience from the UK further afield. Brilliant. And you've got a particular interest in rural youth as well, is that right? That's right, yes. Yeah. So, so kind of alongside my uh, day job, I've really been um, trying to see what I can do to help rural youth, and in particular because I see them as the, the future. They're the future leaders we have to bring about the change in the future. So I've held a number of roles within the rural youth and young farmers movements in the UK, but latterly um, I was the chairman for Rural Youth Europe, which represents around half a million uh, young people in around 21 different countries, really working to develop their skills and intercultural exchange to help them uh, come together and learn from one another and um, change their rural areas. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, Sally, Sally Bell, tell me about your impressive journey. <laughs> I think I'm the odd one out. So oh. I'm the only one without a farming background. <laughs> and uh, so when you start talking farming talk, I've got a clue what you're talking about. But, but I'm food, eager to food, learn. Yes, yes yeah. it's all about food. So, yeah, I'm a GP and I've been um, qualified now for 21 years and uh, conventionally trained. And I think right back to when I was training, I used to really struggle with the fact that it would learn all about the body and everything it needed. And then it'd be like, right, forget that. The last few years of your training, or get people into a disease category, follow a guideline and use pharmaceutical drugs to help um, sort of treat disease and suppress symptoms. And it bothered me. And then as I kind of worked as a GP, I went overseas to work in Africa for a few years and I came back in 2008. And just a lot had changed in the health system. There'd been a real big drive to bring uniformity of care um, by making guidelines all the same. And where before it had been you know, more about a guide, it was more law and we really had to stick to it. Um, there'd been a real breakdown in care in general practice because we needed to make more appointments available. I no longer would see the same person. It'd be 40 patients a day, 10 minutes at a time. They didn't know me, I didn't know them. And I, I ended up feeling like a, like a pharmaceutical vending machine where it's like, oh, diabetes, yes, take these drugs. Oh, you know, blood pressure, take these drugs. And, and if you didn't have a diagnosis, well, let's just wait till you're ill enough and then we'll stick you in a disease category and, and then we'll treat you. And, and anyway, I, I ended up... Um, losing my own health and um, had all these weird and wonderful symptoms and couldn't get a diagnosis, but ended up one day I couldn't run on the treadmill anymore. And I went back to my doctor going, look, this isn't normal, like something's wrong. And went through the system and uh, got my diagnosis and got my uh, medication. And I remember saying to my neurologist, like, 
is there anything I can do to help get myself better? And I just got this wry smile and I had another prescription like passed across to me. And, um, and, and he said, here, Sally, take this. And I walked away and it was the real turning point for me where I was like, no, there has to be a better way. And I went back to the books and I thought, well, what does my body need? And that's the first time I'd ever heard about the gut microbiome and we never studied nutrition. So I delved into nutrition and I realized like, um, you know, when I trained, we all thought it was about genetics, but now like with chronic disease, like 10% is genetics, but 90% is our um, everyday decisions that we're making. And I created a framework around five foundations, um, nutrition, sleep, movement, rest, and connection. So connection with self, connection with others, and connection with that sense of purpose. And I started to help people recover their health using this framework. And really, instead of treating disease, treating um, you know, the individual and work out what was going on in their life and help coaching them back to make those changes. Mm -hmm. And then what happened, you know, about 18 months ago, I realised I hadn't looked far enough upstream and I, and I realised I needed to work out actually where our food came from. And this has led to my journey with connecting with you guys and the farming community. I had no idea how broken the food system was, yeah. no idea, you know. And um, so I realized it wasn't just about what people ate, but it's where it came from. And, and so I've been on this whole journey now yeah. of connecting, um, you know, joining the dots. Yeah. Crucial, absolutely crucial. Uh, Holly, this interconnection, you know, does it start with mindset, mindfulness, farmers, not farming? Tell us a little bit more about you know, maybe focus farmers and how that fits in. Yeah, I mean, that was amazing listening to uh, Sally. Um, and it would be wonderful if that was a more prevalent attitude. Um, I was just wondering, actually, thinking of what you're saying about genetics, because this idea of epigenetics is starting to become sort of more prevalent. And that's about, you know, our environment and, and what we're in. But I definitely agree with you on that sense of purpose. But I think to have that sometimes, you do have to stop and take um, a moment and but it's not about and so mindfulness in its essence is about paying attention to the present moment without judgment which is almost impossible because that's how we're wired very very early on um, we wire in all these different judgments in our model of the world um, but I guess taking a few moments to actually start to pay attention to your senses and in that I think you develop more of a sense of being able to listen to your body um, and to control your mind we have 70,000 thoughts every day and much of it is just Some noise of <laughs> <laughs> Some of it is, most of it is just noise um, trying to work out what's going on and so by managing that a little bit better you can quieten the noise and that's, I think, when the real golden nuggets of thoughts come up. And that's often associated with what your purpose might be or what you really need. And then the next challenge is possibly sometimes being brave enough to follow that. I think, um, no, like I really agree. So I, I, with a lot of my patients, like I, I think often our body knows what it needs. And, but we have become so distracted as a nation, you know, um, and, and I think a lot of kind of mild and moderate mental health issues are, are because we're either in the future constantly worrying about what's going to happen and, you know, or we're in the past worried what, what has happened. And actually the art of mindfulness is about being present because often 
in the present there isn't much to be worried about really and and it's a real art and skill that i think we we have lost the ability to to be still and we are afraid of silence and we're afraid of disconnection and you know that challenge of disconnecting from our phones and from the tv and um, there's so much fear of that isn't that and and actually i think we do need people to teach us how to be present how to notice what's going on around because the only time we can enjoy is now <laughs> that's all we've got and um and and actually that ability to kind of listen to what to what we need and and to be in touch with who we are is just so fundamental to health and we need help because we are so distracted like my kids are like teaching them to be still is really challenging um yeah addiction i think is probably yeah the key there because not only are we think about nutrition massively addicted to all of these sugary foods i think there's still a large amount of the population that is still on this narrative that fat is bad and hasn't quite understood the the science around that and without putting fingers actually it's sugar that's led to the obesity problems um that we've got in in the system but it's not just food that we're addicted to or sometimes a bit too much booze or smoking it's we're addicted to our phones we're addicted to social media and we're addicted to thinking and um that is a it is a change in mindset um for farmers and what i do try and encourage through workshops and the people i work with is to just give an exercise a go which is just maybe five minutes for five days in a row because until they do that, they can't really get the essence of what having that few moments of silence or stillness can can give you. And it would be quite healthy to get people to get addicted to meditation. I think. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So mindset, mindfulness, stopping, slowing down, listening to your body, listening to what's around us, and you know, maybe getting a bit that connection to our environment crucial. Definitely one thing we're trying to do here at FarmEd. And then the nutrition side, and you mentioned fats. Russ, do you want to say a little bit about, you know, with your ex-pasture for life hat on, the, the role of really healthy meats in this debate? Mm. Yeah, so we've been doing some uh, research really to try and understand the uh, influence of an animal's diet on the nutritional quality of meat and milk in particular. And there's, some of the science hasn't been published yet, but Newcastle University have been really doing some great stuff. And that is just seeing the influence of say changing the diet and feeding grains actually how that affects the omega-3 fatty acid components of of meat and milk and actually countering that the more you increase the diversity in pastures and the animals diets the more those good fats and, and good nutrients increase and omega-3 fatty acids are particularly important to our brain health because it's it's we need them when we're building our brains and um, creating memories and building our knowledge we really need our bodies need those uh, components to to access to to make sure our brains are fully functioning because our brain is mostly fab yes it is michael carr <laughs> so we've got you know, a bit of mindfulness we're eating well sally t- tell me a little bit more about your five foundations and, and how they all fit together yeah i think they feed into each other um and i think so often people will say to me okay like what which is the most important one and yeah. and i think if i'm really really pushed and often with people when they're a real mess the place i start with is with sleep 
And um, so we know that sleep deprivation, which would be anything six hours less, which a huge amount of our population, that's all they're getting, it affects every single function of our body. So it affects our ability to heal, it affects our emotional health, it affects our physical health. Like when we're asleep, like a whole host of amazing thing goes on. And um, and you need that full sort of seven and a half to nine hours of sleep, not in bed, in order for that to for that to happen. And particularly when we're thinking about emotional health, and I know sort of in the farming community, there's issues around mental health. It's those last couple of hours before you get up in that eight-hour cycle where you emotionally reset. And so when you lose that, you reduce your capacity to cope with stress and to cope with what's going on emotionally. And I think also, you know, thinking in that wider national sort of thing with obesity, like when we're sleep deprived, hormonally, you are wired to eat. Like, and so if I start asking somebody to lose weight and do the nutritional stuff, but they aren't sleeping, it's pointless because your, um, you know, your appetite hormone goes up, um, your, you know, your, uh, your leptin, which is the one that tells you you're full, doesn't function, you become insulin resistant, so you're not responding properly to your sugars, and your ability, your impulsivity goes up as well, so you're more likely to eat that sugary snack. So if, if I was to start anywhere around you know, how to recover health and how to really build health, the, the bottom thing would be prioritising sleep. And, and for some people, they just need to prioritise, but some people, they don't know how to sleep. And, and I'm one of those things, it's really elusive. As soon as I'm stressed, I'm lying there thinking, oh, you know. And, and there's something called sleep hygiene, um, which are practices that you can do around light and caffeine and what have you, that, that helps you get good quality sleep. Um, and on my website, there's a little cheat sheet on some of those things that you can do to help do that. But you can train yourself to, go to, to, to get good quality sleep. The three big things would be routine, getting caffeine out of your diet because it sits in your body for six to 12 hours and it opposes your sleep urge um, and it would be screens at night so reducing your exposure to blue to blue light at night and then there's a host of other little bits that you can add into that um, in order to get good quality of, good quality of sleep. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I mean all of them. I mean, you know, stress impacts sleep, you know, and we have a massive pandemic with stress, which reduces our immunity, you know, increases our risk of cancer, um, reduces our creativity, um, reduces our ability to heal. I mean, it's just, so, so if I was to do two things, it would be get people to sleep, reduce their stress, then let's let's start talking about food. Let's start okay. about getting moving. Yep. Let's talk about connection. And is movement your third thing? So I they really do. So yeah, it's it is it's sleep, it's nutrition, it's movement, it's rest, which is my stress management bit, and it's connection. And they do all work together. Mm. Um, and I mean the science around movement. I think. We have less of an issue getting people to move. They know they should move. Everybody does. But we don't um, move enough. No, up, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, good. sitting is yeah. the new smoking. Yeah. Um, so you know, in terms of risk to our health. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think farmers. This is less. Well, mm. maybe not. But I think it's less of an issue. They seem to be more active than mm. than most of the some, people. Yeah, some of us. Yeah. Many well, you stuck behind computers. We all as well. stuck behind computers yeah. as well, yeah. or sat on yeah. tractors, yeah. or yeah. I mean. The industry we're in is massive. It's yeah. not just practical farmers. We're dealing with you know, agronomists, yeah. advisors, lecturers, yeah. you know, food nutritionists, everybody within yeah. this space. It's massive. 
Um, and, it, and it's really interesting because the there's some big research out of America and Canada that show that you know even if you go to the gym you know and mm. do your thing for an hour or you go for your run if you sit for six to eight hours after that mm. it doesn't increase your um, you know longevity mm. you know how long you live and yeah. it doesn't reduce your risk of disease and yeah. there's this tendency to think oh I've done that mm. um, and then I you know I sit they really have to rethink mm. about how 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 we sit you know yeah. getting up for breaks using the upstairs loo yeah. getting off the bus you know, stop earlier, just those things that are inconvenient. Well, inconvenient. Yeah. And mindset change is really it's hard. I and mean, as Holly said, you need to practice at yeah. it and, and make it to yeah. become routine. And it's exactly the same with, with farmers changing the way they farm. I've often seen how much of a mindset change is needed yeah. to help them overcome maybe what they think their neighbour's going to think or how what they're doing is judged, whether they're doing something different to how things yeah. have always been done in their valley or whatever it yeah. may be. And there are stories of, of farmers sort of outcasted for doing things a bit differently. Um, so there's a lot of those, those fears to overcome and, and to feel the confidence of making yeah. a change and doing something different, have the faith to do it. I mean, this is a bit where mindfulness and meditation fits in because meditation, you know, does two things. One, it, it increases this thing called neuroplasticity. So this ability for us to, for our brains to rewire, which you need in order to make changes. So, and, and then um, the other thing it does is it shrinks our, something, our amygdala, which is the, the area in our brain that's to do with our stress. So, and it kind of decouples it from, you know, that ability to make good rational decisions. So, so we need Holly, uh, you know, getting them yeah. meditating and being mindful in order to help us making those changes in other areas of our, of our life and rewiring the way we do things. I mean, it's all interlinked, isn't it? And all the knock-on benefits of, I think, trying to understand that actually the less stressed that you are, the more creative yeah. you can become. You know, when we get stressed out, our neural networks actually shrink back. The worst thing that you can do when you've got a problem or a challenge is to sort of sit and keep banging your head against yep. it. It's making it worse, which is why, you know, if you can't get people meditating, like you say, increasing that um, neuroplasticity and really increasing this um, grey matter in our prefrontal cortex, so it's um, memory and concentration, yeah. Yeah. at least just go and have a walk and yeah. just listen. Yeah. And perhaps a mindful walk, because I think I was reading about more functional movement, because we might be farmers might be moving day to day. Mm. Actually, they're doing the same actions. They're not really actually stretching out their body. They're really suffering from those sort of tight backs, often mm. from stress. Mm. You know, all we're hunching over and yeah. just getting tighter and tighter. So, yeah. thinking about the type of movement yeah. that we're doing. And the secret is, you know, it's like, it, you know, change is about taking something we do normally and adjusting how we do it. So, you know, if you're always walking down to that barn, it's thinking, well, how do I do that 200 metre walk differently? And well, I'm going to make that 200 metre, I'm going to be more mindful. I'm going to notice what things smell like, look like, feel like, um, you know, and I'm going to stretch out my body. And, and it is, it's, we don't have to suddenly sign up to the gym and we don't, you know, it's, it's about those little changes so they become an integral part of our everyday lives yeah. that then enhance our health and yeah. well-being. Mm. Um, okay. One reason we're here is, is because of COVID and, and we wanted to do a, a bit more around wellness, well-being, resilience. Just very briefly, tell me your experience through the last three months and where it might now take you, Russ. Um, for me, it's been, it's been a real positive, actually. I know that's not the case for everyone, so I'm not sort of... Um, being big-headed about it, but it's been a chance where the world has sort of slowed down, slowed down. There's been some calm, so it's been a good time to really reflect mm. and to think about 
where I'm going, where the world's going, where family are going, and and particularly how the how important food is because of how that's been impacted by any restrictions we've had and how we can access food and what food we can access. Mm. Can we get the stuff that we want? Um, so it's sort of thrown in some questions, but I think now as the as this sort of started to come out of the, the lockdown, it's really now for me personally thinking, well, how do I take those lessons and those reflections and actually put them into my future every day? Mm. I think many of us are in the same boat, actually. Mm. In, the, in the rural sector, you know, farming continued. A lot of us did get closer to our markets. A lot of us tried to sell direct. We spoke to more people, but we slowed down. It, it's my personal story. I, I spent three months on the family farm the first time in my life with my children, with my wife, growing stuff, feeding each other, working hard, waking up tomorrow, doing the same, but having a little less stress, more time to be creative. So I got some new enterprises off the ground. And I think it, we have to grasp these challenges quickly before we lose them and get back to the old ways. Um, there's going to be some awful, awful things happening in the future with recession and health, etc. But we must mm. grab hold of these opportunities mm. somehow. Holly, what's your experience of the last three months and where are you heading next? Very similar. I loved lockdown. Um, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, for many of the similar reasons. And, and largely because I just, I, I'm a great believer that change, real change only comes in crisis. And yeah, um, yeah. I think we've just got masses of opportunity to change. It's a really big wake-up call for people. Um, I suppose perf personally, with the people that I work with, there was a couple of things that I was almost a bit smug about. Um, so mindfulness is one part of the Focus Farmers programme and the other part is around goal setting, which very much is still connecting to your purpose. Where are you going? What is your why? And what I encourage people to do, um, which they do by <coughs> meditating, which will increase their state of mind as it is, um, to set big goals, dream big, um, and open yourself up to the possibility that anything can happen. Mm -hmm. And having a global lockdown was a pretty good example of that. Mm -hmm. um, and the second thing is that although some, you know, when we're at our best, we do feel like we're in control of our lives, the only thing we actually have the ability to control is our state of mind. We have no idea what's going to happen in our life. So if we can concentrate on managing our state of mind, then really we can handle whatever comes along. Okay, brilliant. And Sally, you returned to the NHS through COVID. Yes, yes. One I of did. our heroes. <laughs> I know about that, but yeah, so I've been doing urgent care general practice, um, so, which I do love, but I, I think for me the big, it has been a real time of reflection, even though I've oh. been doing that. And I am excited that there seems to be an awakening uh, um, around the importance of nutrition and food, which I haven't seen before. There's a massive swathe of our population that still don't understand that what they eat affects their health. And so I just find there's a lot more people asking stuff about lifestyle. And, and I am absolutely convinced that we can reverse the tide of chronic disease, um, you know, through some really simple principles and sort of putting know power back into people's hands and not having to medicate everything so i feel like it's a really exciting time and i think it's just encouraged me to keep pushing on with my message Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. and just wanting to put those tools into people's hands about how yeah. to do that so, 
So just finally, really, how can we engage Sally with more of your work? If people want to find you, yeah. what, what should they do? Thank you. So um, I have a website, drsallybrail.com, um, so you can sign up to my newsletter and I will drip feed you all the wonderful things you can be doing to recover your health. And then on the usual sort of social media platforms, my handle is Dr. Sally Bell. Um, and then obviously you're hoping to do some stuff with you yeah. next year. Yeah, so we'll be having some farm ed modules yes. on your five yes. foundations and eating well, etc. Yeah, so that'll be fun. And I'm going to be, I'm just working on some online teaching at the moment where people can buy courses, you know, how to reverse their diabetes, their thyroid issues and, and just help them recover their own health. Brilliant. And, and uh, Holly, how can we engage with Focus Farmers? You can go to focusfarmers.com and uh, there's a free video series still on there actually with a partner of mine, Willie Horton, who's a psychologist I work with. So um, it's a free 12 part mini series and you can have an introduction about ho how utterly mad we actually all are. Um, there's a few free meditations on there, some exercises. And I, as I say, I would say just give it a go before you judge it. And Russ, you're around, you're, I am. you're helping, you're mentoring, you're w working with individual businesses and youth. That's right, yeah, doing a little bit of consultancy at the moment and sat on a few different groups, but I can be found on the usual social medias with the handle Cider Russ because, <laughs> cider Russ. because I'm also a cider maker ah, in yeah. my we'll spare time. Yes, yeah, <laughs> must be a big topic, that one. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Wonderful, absolutely wonderful stuff. I know we've only just touched the surface and there's lots more to do. Get yourselves here to FarmEd. Let's learn more together. Let's do some knowledge exchange events. I, I can't wait. Massive challenges ahead, but lots of opportunity. Thank you very much. You've been listening to podcast number six. We've been sat here at two, at least three metres apart here at FarmEd, all very safe in the sunshine. Let's do some more. Thank you very much for listening. The production of this podcast was funded by the Farming the Future Coronavirus Emergency Response Fund. Thank you to the A-Team, Roddick, Samworth and 30 Percy Foundations for your support.